你问我爱你有多深，我爱你有几分？无敌心也深，无敌爱也深，也难改把我的心。May is Asian Pacific American Heritage Month, a celebration of Asians and Pacific Islanders in the United States. In this podcast, we're going to do a quick overview of some of the ways you can experience the Asian and Pacific Islander cultures represented in Chicago, albeit from my personal perspective. This is Reno Lovison, executive producer at ChicagoBroadcastingNetwork.com, and you just heard a bit of my attempt at celebrating the Asian culture by learning a popular Mandarin tune, translated as, The Moon Represents My Heart. Asian, together with Pacific Islander, is a rather broad term whose nations encompass all of the Asian continent, including Eastern Asia, with China, Japan, North and South Korea, and Mongolia. Southeast Asia includes the Philippines, Vietnam, Indonesia, Thailand, Cambodia, Singapore, Malaysia, Laos, and others. South Asia is the southern subregion of Asia, defined in both geographical and, and ethnic cultural terms, that commonly includes Bangladesh, India, Nepal, Pakistan, and Sri Lanka, with Afghanistan also often included. Central Asia includes what are sometimes remembered as the Stan or Stan countries of Uzbekistan, Kazakhstan, Tajikistan, Kyrgyzstan, and Turkmenistan, while Western Asia generally includes the countries referred to as the Middle East, with Turkey, Israel, Armenia, and all of the Arabian Peninsula. The Pacific Islands refer to all of Melanesia, Micronesia, and Polynesia, including our own Hawaiian Islands. By this time, I suppose you're looking for your atlas. Forgive me for any abbreviations and omissions, as this is not intended to be a comprehensive list. Rather, I encourage you to do some research on your own as you consider your exploration of how the Asian culture has manifested itself within the Chicago experience. The month of May was chosen as Asian Pacific American Heritage Month to commemorate the immigration of the first Japanese to the United States on May 7, 1843, and to mark the anniversary of the completion of the Transcontinental Railroad on May 10, 1869, because the majority of the workers who laid the tracks were Chinese immigrants. In fact, the first Chinese, who were mainly Cantonese speakers, arrived in Chicago around the time the railroad had completed. According to the 2010 census, 43,228 individuals in Chicago identified as Chinese, representing about 1.6% of the city's population. About 10,000 ethnic Chinese reside within the historic Chinatown area. In this podcast, I'm not going to get into the unfortunate circumstances and events that have marred relationships between individuals of traditionally European descent and those of most other cultures historically treated as outsiders, including the 1882 Chinese Exclusion Act and the treatment of Japanese Americans interred during the years of World War II. Instead, I encourage you to look into the Asian American historical record online, or maybe begin by visiting the Chinese American Museum of Chicago at 238 West 23rd Street. Check their website for hours and more details. The museum can be a great jumping off point to explore the Chinatown area. If you really feel adventurous, consider taking the water taxi from Michigan Avenue downtown to Ping Tom Park, 
with spectacular views of the Riverwalk and historic buildings along the way, including the Willis Tower and the Opera House. Now, I'm no expert on Chicago Asian community, but I would like to share some of my own experiences from the point of view of a lifelong Chicago resident, beginning with my relationship with the Southeast Asia Center in Uptown. Aside from my duties as founder and executive producer here at Chicago Broadcasting Network, I also provide marketing services as Reno Lovison Marketing, which I've done for more than 25 years. If you're curious, you can learn more about that at renoweb.net. Southeast Asia Center has been one of my clients for many years and has exposed me to an opportunity to interact and appreciate the struggles of immigrants in general, as well as the various cultures the organization serves. Established about 40 years ago with a mission to help resettle individuals from Southeast Asia after the Vietnamese conflict, the center has grown to serve not only Southeast Asians, but also other newly arrived immigrants, including those from Russia, Somalia, Afghanistan, Latin America, and more. Recently, it was established that the center had over 40 languages represented among the staff and clients. The center's ESL classes, English as a Second Language, are an essential service that helps newly arrived immigrants learn, practice, and improve their English language skills. Becoming a volunteer ESL tutor only requires about two weekends of training and is an excellent way to get beyond the tourist approach and become more personally involved with people from other cultures. I've done it myself and really enjoyed the interactions with my students and what I learned from them. For those over 60, the Southeast Asia Center hosts a Golden Diners lunch program Monday through Friday from about 11.30 to 1.30. This is one of a number of dining locations around the city that provide a pay-as-you-please lunch option for seniors. The spirit of the program is not to provide low-cost meals, but rather to encourage seniors to get out into their communities and interact with one another. If you're a senior, grab a friend and explore the city. You can find a list of locations if you Google Chicago Golden Diners Program. By the way, the building that houses the Southeast Asia Center's Golden Diners program at 5120 North Broadway is a local landmark that was originally built as a German beer garden and stands as a testament to the ethnic changes that have taken place around the city. At Southeast Asia Center, you'll typically be treated to a very traditional style Vietnamese or at least Southeast Asian style meal. There are also Asian meals offered in Chinatown at the Chinese Community Center, Korean fare on North Kedzie, and Indian and Pakistani options on Devon and North California. The city website provides complete addresses and details about the program. The Southeast Asia Center also provides daycare and after-school programs as well as an all-day, all-week summer program for families primarily residing in the Lakeview, Uptown, Edgewater, Andersonville, and Rogers Park communities. Though roughly half of the families served are of Asian descent, one parent recently commented that what he loved about the center's Bridge International School program is that they don't just talk about diversity, they demonstrate and reflect the diversity of the area. While we're talking about this part of the city, I must mention the Argyle Street commercial area just east of Broadway, which is easily accessible by the Red Line. Known as Little Saigon, this street is inviting to anyone who wants to experience Southeast Asian culture with local stores and, no kidding, about 20 restaurants that either feature pho or have pho in their name. For the uninitiated, pho, spelled P-H-O, is a kind of broth with vegetables and meat typically served in a surprisingly large bowl. But be not afraid, on a cold day you will manage to eat it all. 
Other things to try might be banh mi, a delicious baguette sandwich that reflects the country's French colonial influence. Steamed bao, a pillowy soft steamed dumpling folded and filled with meat and veggies. Or one of my favorites, the Vietnamese crispy savory crepe, which is a cross between an omelet and a French crepe folded and offered with various fillings garnished with ample quantities of fresh herbs and greens accompanied by a sweet and pungent sauce. Argyle Night Market, held every Thursday evening from 5 to 9 p.m. through July and August, is a perfect time to experience the neighborhood and rub shoulders with the locals. Check out exploreuptown.org for details. Heading north and a bit west to Devon and Western will take you into the heart of Little India, the Indo-Pakistan area of the city where you can enjoy the sights and smells of this rich culture. The street is festooned with nearly a mile of colorful sari shops and local markets where you can pick up fresh spices like saffron, turmeric, and more. This area is purported to have some of the best Indian restaurants in the country. Ask virtually any person throughout the South Indian diaspora and they will likely tell you they have a brother or cousin who lives in this area. My family already had a somewhat diverse palate as my mother's family was Polish, so cabbage rolls, pierogi, and a dizzying array of soups already routinely appeared on our table, including the holiday favorite of duck's blood soup. I won't go into that. My father's family was northern Italian, so polenta was a staple, as was risotto and various pastas. When I was quite young, my mom decided we would make Friday International Food Night. Sadly, in those days, it might have included a jar of mini tamales and tomato sauce, or a large can of lechoy chow mein. I must admit, though, those crispy noodles were pretty exotic. I must give credit to my mom who in her own way was trying to expand our cultural horizons and help us to understand that there was a world beyond our Southside Pullman neighborhood where my dad was raised and where I grew up. Food is of course the gateway to experiencing any culture. So I'll just give you a few of my favorite spots that fit this topic. I'm not gonna say they're necessarily the best but they will provide a place for you to begin your personal exploration and encourage you to get out into some of the various Northside ethnic neighborhoods. I've often said you can explore the world by exploring Chicago. For Thai cuisine, we typically default to Tipperos, just south of North Avenue on Clark Street, as it's only a block away from my wife's business, the Lakeshore Music Studio, providing piano lessons for all ages. We usually split one tofu pad thai and one crazy noodles with chicken. The portions are big enough for us to get two meals apiece out of an order of each to go. Reza's in Andersonville is a popular spot for Persian dining featuring various skewers of grilled meat served on a bed of dill rice. Next door Andy's Mediterranean has a large menu with a number of delicious vegetarian options. At Foster and Clark is the Middle East market where you can pick up an assortment of foods ideal for tasty lunches or light suppers. My stop there today, at the time of this writing, included a few spinach and cheese pies, a few parsley and cheese pies with kalamata olives, some veggie topped flatbread, half a dozen falafel, hummus with roasted garlic, and some pita, feta cheese, and kalamata olives to supplement other home cooked meals. Staying within the Western Asian cuisine, a little to the west and on the other side of Rose Hill Cemetery, at a point known as the Bend at the corner of Maplewood and Lincoln, is the Shawarma Inn, purported to have the best, and in this case I agree, shawarma in the area. 
If you're not familiar with shawarma, it's a sirloin beef cooked rotisserie style and thinly shaved, served over rice or as a pita sandwich. Their hummus is also exceptional. For the record, this area is home to a large Assyrian population. The Assyrian civilization at one time incorporated the entire Near East, most notably the area of the Fertile Crescent or Northern Mesopotamia. The heartland of Assyria lies in present-day northern Iraq, southeastern Turkey, northeastern Syria, and northwestern Iran. The remains of the ancient capital of Assyria, Nineveh, lie within Mosul in northern Iraq. A great place to learn more about this culture would be to visit the Oriental Institute at the University of Chicago in Hyde Park on the south side. This museum is not far from the Museum of Science and Industry, where you'll find the Japanese gardens along the lagoon at the south end of the building. This stunning spot with its iconic bridge and cherry trees was originally created by the government of Japan for the 1893 World's Columbian Exposition. I believe a little-known gem is Jibik Julu on North Lincoln Avenue, a casual family-run Kyrgyzstan eatery serving hearty Central Asian fare. In my opinion, this is literally where East meets West and those of us with Eastern European traditions will find some familiar looking and familiar tasting options with a distinct Asian twist. For some quick Filipino food, I like Merla's Kitchen at Foster and Kedzie. Her chicken adobo is well respected and her handmade empanadas made to order are large, fresh, fried on the spot and delicious. It may take a little time, but it's worth the wait. Though Bren Mar between Lincoln and Kedzie is traditionally the Korean neighborhood, I've enjoyed Midori for Japanese food at 3310 West Bren Mar Avenue. Sadly, I'm not much of a sushi fan, so you'll have to get those recommendations elsewhere. But I have enjoyed tempura here, and the atmosphere is old-school traditional Japan with a small sushi bar, a few private tea rooms, and an open, casual dining area. When it comes to Korean food, I have to give the nod to my friend Soon at Noon Hour Grill at 6930 North Glenwood in Rogers Park. She introduced me to bibimbap about 30 years ago, and I've judged every experience with that dish against hers ever since. This restaurant also has easy access via the red line More Stop. The month of May and the fact that it's Asian Pacific American Heritage Month was the inspiration for this podcast. But you can enjoy exploring Chicago's Asian and other ethnic neighborhoods and offerings all year long. This Chicago Asian community overview is hardly comprehensive, but I hope it will whet your appetite and encourage you to experience some new or different cultures. But please go beyond the simple tourist approach of eating and gawking and find some way to get involved in the important process of connecting with other people. Invite a friend or neighbor from a different ethnic group to join you on your expedition or be your guide. Do the same for them. Enjoy your differences, but pay attention to your similarities and make note of the things we all have in common. In the spirit of the Southeast Asia Center, let's build bridges. I'm going to end with the rest of my Mandarin love song as a way of demonstrating another way of enjoying a culture. Immerse yourself in the art. Incidentally, the Art Institute of Chicago has an extensive Asian art collection. Also consider attending the Chicago International Film Festival held every year in October to experience thought-provoking films from around the world. In fact, look at our website, chicagobroadcastingnetwork.com, to find my reviews from festivals, including Blinded by the Light and Hala, both with immigrant coming-of-age themes. 
Incidentally, Hala was written and produced by a young Chicagoan and filmed largely throughout the West Rogers Park neighborhood. Though I do not speak Mandarin, which I'm sure is obvious to some, I enjoyed the process of working through the words phonetically. Kindly, those who speak the language have been encouraging in regard to my attempt. This process is humbling and can give you a glimpse into what many immigrants have to go through when they arrive here and have to master a new language. It also forces you to listen more carefully, which is something I believe we all should practice more. If you're a regular podcast listener, be sure to look for our sister podcast, Authors Broadcast, and check out my friend Gail Zugerman's podcast, Growing Older with Gusto. This is Reno Lovis, an executive producer at Chicago Broadcasting Network, encouraging you to please like, share, or subscribe to this podcast to be alerted when new episodes are added, or follow us at chicagobroadcastingnetwork.com.